0: You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host,
1: Connor Halley.
0: Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And before we get into the Oilers talk... Big shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings. This weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick Six fighters, stand out of the salary cap and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Another great show coming up for you here on the Other Connor Podcast. We'll talk to Craig Button from the NHL on TSN. Former NHL general manager as well. So we'll talk a little bit of the stuff behind the scenes. We'll get his thoughts on the Oilers. He was working the broadcast on Wednesday night. When the Oilers fell for the Montreal Canadiens, so we'll also get his thoughts on that game. We'll bring in Hernan Salas of TSN 1260 and the Locked On Oilers podcast. Get his thoughts on the Oilers, of course. Ryan McLeod could get into the lineup on Monday. Dmitry Kulikov, with the team acquired from the New Jersey Devils, also has a good chance to play Monday. So we'll get Hernan's thoughts on that one. And we're also going to bring in Ryan Holt. He, of course, the voice of the Bakersfield Condors. And in case you missed it, the Edmonton Oilers calling up Ryan McLeod, a standout with the Condors, In 28 games this season, he's got 14 goals and 14 assists. He was originally drafted back in 2018, 40th overall. So we'll get Ryan's thoughts on Mr. Ryan McLeod, as well as some of the other players down in Bakersfield. The Condors right now sitting second place in the Pacific Division. They're 7-3 and in their last 10, a record overall of 18-10, and uh, playing some pretty good hockey. So we'll have Ryan on to discuss the Condors, and how things are going with the Oilers' AHL affiliate. For those Edmonton Oilers, they, of course, took on the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night, 4-3 loss. The storyline in that one, though, I gotta say it. I'm sorry, I hate to blame the referees, but they were the storyline in that game. They lost control towards the end. In the third period, decided they were going to use their whistles when, in the first two periods, they were basically non-existent. And uh, the Edmonton Oilers dropped that one 4-3, to three, scoring a couple goals late. JP and Ryan Nugent Hopkins scoring in the final few minutes to make it look a lot closer than it was. But for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, definitely have to play better and try to rebound. And the good news for them, they've got a few days off to work on some things. They won't play this weekend. They'll take on the Winnipeg Jets on Monday and Wednesday of next week. Then the Oilers hosting the Calgary Flames, and then they've got the Flames again on the Saturday. So four games next week for the Edmonton Oilers. The week after that, four games against the Vancouver Canucks, and then they get to see those pesky Montreal Canadiens for a couple more games in Montreal. So for the Oilers, like I said, a few days to work on some things, and then it gets really busy. A lot of games to be played to wrap up the 2021 regular season, and then all of a sudden, like you know, We're in the playoffs. Seems like this season just flew by. So for the Edmonton Oilers, like I said, tough loss on Wednesday night to the Montreal Canadiens, but some things to work on. And uh maybe some bigger news for them. Zach Cassian left the game with a lower body injury. We've got no update there. And Drew Darkera obviously suffered the injury on Monday night. We still don't know what that is exactly, Safe to assume it was probably a concussion, but no update there. Hopefully the Oilers can get those guys both back into the lineup at some point this season. Of course, they would be hugely missed going into the playoffs. Two guys that can play the rough-and-tumble brand of hockey that we see in the playoffs, Cassian and Drew Darkera definitely would be big additions for this Oilers team down the stretch run. But in the case of Kara especially, I think you got to be cautious, be very careful, and don't rush them back into the lineup because you just you don't want to mess around with concussions and for calcium, whatever the injury is, you definitely don't want to reaggravate it and cause any long-term damage. Let's uh, get to our guest portion of the show here. We're going to start it off with Craig Button from the NHL on TSN, also a former general manager in the NHL. Craig, thank you so much for doing this today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, Connor. How are you doing?
0: I am doing very good, and I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. It means a lot uh, to just give me some of your time, so let's get right into it, and uh, I want to talk about Wednesday's game Against the Montreal Canadiens, and you're on social media. I know you get a lot of backlash, way more than I do. But I got a lot of backlash today because I posted the little clip of Corey Perry and Connor McDavid—a little bit of an elbow—and there was a lot of back and forth. But one of the topics that came out of that was the officiating, and a lot of Oilers fans didn't like it. Thought that maybe the refs put the whistles away for the first 40, then brought them out for the last 20. What did you make of the refing in Wednesday's night game between the Oilers and the Canadians?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things, Connor, is that what the players want, what they expect, is just consistency. You know, you know if, if you're going to call a hooking penalty in the first year, call it in the third, right? And, and just, like, whatever, whatever however you want to apply the standard, just apply it. But when, when, when I mean, think about the hit by dry cycle day on that when he got that interference penalty. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I'm trying to find it. Like, honestly, I'm doing the broadcast for TSN Montreal Habs broadcast, and I see, and I see Jake Allen's mask off, and uh, I I thought that Leon had hit him in the mask. Then I'm thinking, like, well, that was a penalty. Well, that must have been interference. Oh, did he bump into the goalie? That's what I thought, Connor. And then I see the penalty. I'm like. What? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and so, I mean, I think Dave Tippett had the same reaction. I think Leon Dreisaitl did. And it's like, like I didn't understand that one. And I, I think when the players have that sense of confusion, that's, that's a spot when you got to go, what, in ter- with respect <laughs> to the officiating, do you have to do better? What do you have to do to make sure that they're not confused? Because there's nothing worse than having a game uh, and and the, the players are confused by the officiating. That is not a place you ever want
0: to be. Yeah, and I, I thought Leon Dreisaitl's reaction to it was really telling. Like, he wasn't even mad. He kind of laughed, and I, I'm not sure exactly what he said. It looked like it was, what the hell, or what the heck, like, kind of laughing it off, because I thought that was just a good hit. Uh, now, the play I mentioned before, the McDavid elbow or, you know, space creator with Corey Perry, what do you make of a play like that? Do you think that Connor McDavid might be getting a reputation around the league as being a guy who who is capable of doing those sorts of things, or is that something that a superstar player has to do to find ways to create space?
1: No, on the broadcast, I said, uh, Connor McDavid did a Corey Perry to Corey Perry. <laughs> Right, you know, it's it's always interesting to me. Okay, and you know, you you see that play, Connor McDavid got suspended for it, right? Well, not suspended, he got a penalty for it. Excuse me, but you know, when other players that are greedy and play hard, you know, that's the way you got to play, right? Yeah, I'll be straightforward with you. I love the fact that Connor McDavid has taken security into his own hands. You know what? Run somebody. You know, players run at him, slash him, hack him, all kinds of stuff. You know what? As my dear late friend Brad McCrimmon always used to say, you know, teams need a security detail, and that's okay, but sometimes you've got to take security into your own hands. And for Connor McDavid, you know, you want to keep the flies away? Give him flying elbow. And you know what? Maybe the day will come when he will give somebody a good cross check right across the face and get a couple games suspension. I'll tell you what, it might be well worth it. Because the amount of abuse and crap he puts up with, sorry. You know what? And, and every player has their own limit. I said last night again on the broadcast, there's a number hanging up there in the uh, Rogers place, number 11. He took care of security on his own. And we celebrate Mark Messier, right? We should be celebrating Connor McDavid. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I just kept hearing people say like, oh, he, you know, he, he's kind of dirty, he's kind of cheap. And you brought up Mark Messier. I, th- I thought of Gordy Howe. Like, I mean, he's commended oh, he's for cool. the elbows that he threw and you know the space he created, The things he did. And then it's Connor McDavid, and all of a sudden he's dirty, he's cheap, and uh, kind of a crybaby. I, I thought it was a, a little bit weird, but you know that's social media. You get everyone's opinion, not always the uh, the most educated. Now I do want to ask you about. Uh, can I you
1: just know? add something in about Connor McDavid? Yeah. So, like, David, right? Like, you know, here he is saying, I'm not going to take it anymore. Like, you know what? So, like, you go and take matters in your own hands. And, like, the, the rule book is there. He, he, he got a penalty. He deserved a penalty for interference. He, he got a $5,000 fine uh, for that hit on Kaki Nemi. He got suspended for two games for a hit on Nick Letty. Hey, listen, the rule book applies to Connor McDavid just as much as it applies to anybody else. But you're going to celebrate one player and you're not going to admire Connor McDavid for saying enough's enough and trying to carve out space for himself? I got no problem with it. I got zero problem with it. And good on him. I want to see him do more of it.
0: Craig, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, that physical brand and style of play. The Edmonton Oilers right now, a little bit of uncertainty. We don't know exactly what's going on as we tape this on Thursday, but Zach Cassian left the game last night. Uh, Jujar Kara left the game earlier on this week. And, you know, going into the playoffs, how much do you think the Oilers would miss those two guys specifically and the brand of hockey that they can play if a game does get a little chippier?
1: Yeah, you know what, like, uh, like, uh, you know, with with Cara, I mean, he's proven to be a, a real solid player this year for the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, you know, I don't even think it's a brand of hockey necessarily as much as what he contributes to the Oilers, and and that's really important, uh, you know, in terms of that type of centerman that can play in, in, in those areas of the game and play them very well. I I, I think that the loss of, the, of of those types of contributions is significant, you know. When Zach is playing, you know, really forceful and with an edge, I mean, he makes opponents uncomfortable. So, you know, in, in the playoffs, it's a it, 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 it's a shift in, shift out, period in, period out, game in, game out, battle. And Zach Cassian, you know, when he's playing uh, his game and when he's really effective, you know, that's a that's a valuable player. So you you want you, you don't you don't want to go into playoff games or really, for that matter, any, without those types of players because they make contributions that help you be successful. So I would say that if you uh, don't have those players in the lineup, it, it diminishes uh, the strength of your team.
0: Craig, uh, one guy who's generating a lot of buzz right now in our city is Ryan McLeod. He is eligible to play or practice with the Oilers on Sunday, obviously, at Bakersfield. uh, 14 goals, 14 assists in 28 games, doing some really impressive things. I know you scouted him. Can you give Oilers fans uh, or people tuning into this podcast maybe just your thoughts on him as a player and what he can bring to the Oilers lineup?
1: Well, uh, he's going to bring tremendous speed. That, that, that's number one. And, 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 you know, we talk about, you know, making opponents uncomfortable. He'll make opponents uncomfortable with that speed and with that ability to create opportunities and, and, and to force turnovers and mistakes. And, I mean, that's an element that, that any coach or any team benefits uh, from. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, he's got sides, so, he you, you know, he can lean in on you and he's a hard player to handle. It. You know, this year in Bakersfield, I think, I think there's been an understanding by Ryan, and this is part of the development of a player, that, you know, how do I use my abilities, my, my tremendous skating ability, my size, to create even more offensive advantages? And I think he's really, uh, you know, adjusted his game to take advantage of the skating to create more scoring chances. When you're younger, you can skate by everybody, you know, and, and now you get up the levels and you can't do that anymore, you have to adjust. You have to acclimate uh, to the different levels of play. I've seen a real adjustment in Ryan's game to to acclimate, to be quicker and be more powerful, change speed a little bit, and keep opponents on, on, on their heels and a little bit off balance with that change of speed instead of always going the same speed. But when you're going the same speed at younger ages in your body, everybody, why should you change? And I think that in terms of development, he, he's made real nice strides in his game. I, 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 I always thought that Ryan was going to be a player that was going to play in your 7-10 seven, seven range of forwards and give you some penalty killing, give you some catalyst play. But what he's demonstrated this year is he might be offering more offense than uh, maybe uh, I thought he was capable of. But certainly he's demonstrated that he's uh, progressing in a manner where you can, you know, look and, and, and be excited about the potential for that offense. And it's not going to be big or significant. Like, hey, listen, you score 15 goals in the NHL and you get 35 to 40 points. Those are, those are valuable players.
0: So today uh, on the Jason Greger show, the topic came up of who could play on Connor McDavid's left wing, and we had a, a surprising amount of people, maybe not confidently, but saying could potentially Ryan McLeod do that? Do you think he could do that in you know in a pinch, or could he be a long-term solution potentially to play alongside Connor McDavid?
1: I would say absolutely not. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, I mean Connor McDavid. I think there's two things you need to be able to to, to do to play with Connor McDavid. And, and any great player, you need to think at the same level as that player, and you need to have the skills to finish what they are able to do, and and, and add a like. So, with speed aside, but, but I always use this example, Connor, who played with Sidney Crosby, Chris Kunitz, yeah, because Chris Kunitz could finish what he had, Jake Gensel, Pascal Dupuis. Those are the types of players, and, and, while, and, and while Ryan looks and, and, and you see the size and you see the speed, go, what go, no, I don't see it. I don't think that that's a good fit. I think ultimately, based on their center ice or depending on what they do, I think Dylan Holloway would be a great fit. For Connor McDavid, and I think Connor, and uh, I think Dylan Holloway. When you think about the hockey sense, you think about the offensive ability, you think about the power part of his game. It allows you to put Dreisaitl back in the middle. And I think that that would be just a, a, an outstanding fit with Connor McDavid.
0: One guy who, you know, beloved loved in Edmonton right now was Jesse Pugliarvi, and he's starting to find his fit with Connor McDavid. Do you like that for a JP, or do you think, you know, maybe down the road he, he could be a guy who fits in with maybe Leon Dreisaitl better, and then you have Dylan Holloway with Connor McDavid? How do you think that dynamic could work?
1: What's really? I mean, you got Drysdale and Yamamoto. What's wrong yeah. with that? And I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen with Ryan nugent Hawkins, but you know, you, you you start to round out your offense, uh, your forward group. You know, pull Harvey, McDavid and Holloway. I mean, like that would be a lot of fun to play against, wouldn't it? I think yes, he has really. Establish himself as, as somebody that can carve out space for himself, you know, create opportunities, you know, let Connor McDavid do his thing and and, and take advantage. and And I think you're going to see more of that from from Yessy Arvey. I, I see a confidence growing in him, and I think that that's really significant. And so I don't think you have to look at moving Yessy Pulley Arvey off the line, but because I think he's really fit in nicely. And what Ken Holland is trying to do is move this get more players get more skill get more elements uh, in the the team I mentioned Dylan Holloway I mentioned Ryan McLeod they add size to this group the Edmonton Oilers have a lot of have, have a lot of small forwards And, you know, it's nice to have some smaller forwards. And Tyler Yamamoto I love, and I think he's going to be a real uh, good player, you know, in in, in the years to come. But you can't have all those guys, and you certainly can't have them when you're trying to create opportunities down the lineup. And I think that uh, when you add more size and you add more uh, skating and speed in, in, in your group of forwards... It gives you a greater depth and it gives you a greater opportunity to be successful. And I think that's where the Evans Noros are headed. One quick thing, Jesse arby has as many goals as Patrick Laine this year.
0: <laughs> Who would have thought that two years ago?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, Craig Button joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Craig, really appreciated a few more questions for you. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov, another guy who we could see in the lineup on Monday night when the Oilers take on the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, the only move they made at this year's trade deadline. What kind of player can Oilers fans expect from him? And do you think there's an ideal partner for him on this Oilers roster?
1: Yeah, it's good. To, like I mean, the way he plays, he plays hard. He got he he can give you a good hard physical element. You know, he 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 with Adam Arson could could be a real. Uh, you know, challenging duo to play against, you know, down low, bust the cycle, you know, step up, make opponents, you know, a little bit hesitant and and fearful of taking on body contact. You know, they're both like, Dimitri's a real good competitor. Adam Larson's been a real good player for the Edmonton Oilers this year. Uh, and, and as just do what you do, do it well, and he's done it, he's done exactly that. I think Dimitri played, he, Dimitri played pretty good in, uh, in New Jersey and again putting him into a a role where you don't ask him to do more you just ask him to do what he can with with an Adam Arson I think it could be a really nice fit
0: Now, if you were Ken Holland, how would you handle, or would you have handled I guess the Evan Bouchard situation? I know we have Ryan Rashog on with Gregor, and he's on the side where would have liked to see him been sent down to Bakersfield where he could have played a little bit more Uh, Gregor said today that uh, all sides agreed that maybe staying up could be beneficial for the young Oilers prospect on the blue line. How do you think you would have handled it in hindsight?
1: I would have handled it exactly the same way as Ken Holland First of all you know, when your roster is set up in, in the manner that it is this year, and with the with the quarantine rules and the COVID protocols that were in place, you, you couldn't get players in your lineup that were better than, than Evan Bouchard. You, you, you know, I, how I would how I would say is, would the ideal situation have been for Evan Bouchard to play down in Bakersfield in the American Hockey League and have more games? Yeah. And, you, you know, and the, and the ability to recall them when you need them, yeah, that would be ideal. Unfortunately, we're not dealing with ideal circumstances. And so for the Edmonton Oilers to be able to have access to a, to a player that they felt comfortable putting in the lineup, that could contribute in different areas, right? And a, 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 a player that they felt wouldn't be hindered to any great extent and being around the team, you know, under these circumstances – I, mean, I, I I don't think there was any other solution for them. Craig, I just want to ask you a couple more
0: questions here about the rest of the North Division here. Uh, just looking at the standings as we head into Thursday night's action, the Leafs number one, Jets sitting in second, Oilers in third, and the Canadians in fourth. Do you think that's how the standings will be at the end of the season?
1: I think Montreal will will settle into fourth. Uh you know, uh, you know, you got games coming up here with Winnipeg and Toronto that I think will go a long ways towards determining, uh, you know, where where uh, who finishes first. And, and just think about it. So Edmonton and or not Edmonton, Winnipeg and Toronto are going to play three times more. Well. That means there's two points handed out in every game. So the two teams that are ahead of Edmonton are going to, are, are going to continue to get points and move ahead of them one way or another. So I just don't, I don't see Edmonton moving into that first spot. Could they move into the second spot if Winnipeg or Toronto win three of those uh, those three games? Yeah, I could, but I think you're going to see, uh, you know, uh, either Winnipeg or Toronto in that first spot, and then it's going to be seeding with Winnipeg and Edmonton two three with Montreal four.
0: And final question for you, Craig: uh, Between the Flames and the Canucks, are you more surprised by any of the the I guess lack of success that they've had this year?
1: i 'm not surprised by the Canucks uh, to be straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think they made the decision last fall uh, you know that given all the uncertainty of the NHL and what was going whether the NHL season was going to look like that. They said we're not going to spend as much. We're not going to, uh, you know, maybe that old that old adage. We'll take a half a step back to take a, a couple steps forward. And next year, I, I really do believe they made that decision. You lose Markstrom, you lose TANF, you lose Toffoli. Uh, you know, you look at their team, I, I didn't think that they were going to be able to replicate what they did last year. The Calgary Flames getting Markstrom, getting Canna, you know, based on on, on having a, a pretty decent season last year before losing to Dallas in the bubble. I, I thought that they were a playoff team. They have uh, they have been a, a team that I think, uh, with the with the expectations and with the additions to their group, uh, that uh, there was a, a lot more expected of them, and I and I think they've really fallen short.
0: Craig, I'm not going to disagree with you on any of those. And uh, for all the Oilers fans listening here, I think they're probably pretty excited that it worked out that way and the Oilers look to be firmly entrenched in that playoff spot. Craig, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Connor. Thanks for having me.
0: Excellent stuff from Craig Button from the NHL on TSN. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at CraigJButton. I loved what he said about Connor McDavid defending himself. He's got to do it, and uh, if the people don't like him for it, That's okay. They don't have to like Connor McDavid. He'll be embraced and loved by the Edmonton Oilers fans for doing that kind of stuff, for sure, on top of what he does on the score sheet. Let's bring in our next guest right now, Hernan Salas from TSN 1260. He's also a part of the Two Guys and a Goalie podcast, as well as Locked on Oilers. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Demand. Hernan, appreciate you doing this. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good, Connor. I'm doing good.
0: See, uh, for this interview, Hernan, I, I didn't even do any prep. I just want to throw things at you and just have you, like, go crazy. You and I talked on uh, your podcast on Thursday, and I feel like yeah. we just both got mad at, like, social media and yeah. took out our anger on uh, all those sorts of things. So check out Thursday's edition of the Locked and Oilers podcast if you just want some anger. But, uh, we're, you know, we're a day later here. Maybe we're a little bit more calm after what happened, but... You know, I, I tweeted it out and I've mentioned it on the podcast, uh, a little bit of a gif or gif, whatever you want to call it, of yeah. Connor McDavid throwing the bow up at Corey Perry and the amount of people who, you know, reply with the most unoriginal answers, all oh, Mick Dirty <coughs> Mick Cheater, like all these things and craig button said it earlier on in the podcast i'm sure you'll say the same now like this is just to me like a guy creating space this is what a superstar has to do we praise the legends make uh, messier and we praise gordie howe all these guys for doing it and now we're going to hold it against mcdavid seems kind of weird to me
2: yeah it is and it's like it's, I, I just find every day if you're not in edmonton you're you're finding reason, reasons to just you know pile on connor mcdavid and listen um If you watch one game out of 10 of the Edmonton Oilers, yeah, you probably think he's whining. But have you ever heard uh, Connor McDavid look at the refs and whine? Have you ever uh, seen him do that to the media? Uh, Sorry, in the media. And if you watch every Oilers game, this guy, the stuff he has to put up with, uh, it's ridiculous. And, and And more than half of it doesn't even get called because he's the greatest player and he's the fastest skater, which is beyond ridiculous. So for me... It's just something to pile on, and like you said, Mark Messier used to do it, Crosby's done it, Ovechkin's done it. So now that Connor McDavid's kind of standing up for himself and dishing it back, it's a problem. I have no issue with that. I, I love what dry title does. So he doesn't back down from anyone. If you has to slash a guy, you saw him pick down Perry on that Monday game. But to sit here and say that Connor McDavid's a whiny you-know-what, uh, like Rod Peterson said on his show today. I, I just sit back and I said, I, do you even watch the games? Like, I've never seen Connor McDavid attack the ref in the media or on the ice. Does he have a few words for them, for them? Probably, but so does every other damn player. So what's the problem here? So, Corey Perry's dirty. He's greasy. Um, they get in Connor's face every shift, every chance they get. So when Connor gets a little greasy, it, it, we're complaining about it. And again, Connor." We talked about this yesterday. The NHL is the only league where the stars don't get the benefit of the bill, where the stars, they're not taken care of. It's like, oh, let's worry about uh, 35-year-old Corey Perry. Like, he took a elbow from Connor McDavid. Like, who cares?
0: <laughs> that's the one you got to protect washed up Corey Perry actually I shouldn't yeah. say that I Corey Perry is still an effective hockey player and uh yeah. he does his job very well but you're right like Connor McDavid faces that on a nightly basis and uh you know then it goes the other way and it gets called the Leon on call was bs as well but uh let, let's look forward Hernan let's try to find some of the positives and you know, Connor McDavid, the, the ridiculous season continues. Uh, Matt tweeted out that he heard on overdrive out in Toronto that if you took secondary assists away from McDavid this year, he'd still be second in the scoring race behind only Leon Draisaitl. Like what this guy's doing this year in a shortened season. I don't even want to think about what he'd do if it was an 82 game season.
2: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely outstanding. And, um, I, I mean, uh, let, let's, like, let's leave the negativity out of it. This guy should win the hard. He's going to win the pen. He is, like, for me, it's both. And that's both disrespect. Like, what Austin Matthews is, what, he has 34 goals? Like, this guy is unreal as well. He might hit 40, Connor, in less than 56 games, which is unreal. You look at the guy like McKinnon and that duo there with Ranton and and the pass of the world. There's great players, but Connor McDavid is on a different level. And, and I love that the Ted Lindsay Award kind of is voted on by the players because they always seem to get it right. Uh, last year, they got the heart right, but we'll see how the voting goes this year. But he's just, uh oh man, like exceptional talent. Like, what else can you say about this guy? Um, he's becoming a leader. He's taking over games. And, and, like, I didn't even know that stat about secondary assists. Like, it's truly amazing what he's doing. Uh, I mean, just look at his numbers this year. I know we all wanted to hit that 100 mark. He's only 23 points away from that. And um <laughs> he's gonna push it, he's gonna get close. So for me this guy's outstanding. And again, no disrespect to all the other great players, but Conor McDavid is number one. And it's and if you're looking and listen, there's always gonna be media out there that's gonna want quick bait and try to get creative and and, and get attention. It's Conor David and what he's done this year just kinda you know, puts a stamp on it. He is absolutely outstanding. And look at Leon, man, sixty four points is <laughs> These two guys are truly amazing. And, Connor, I know I've said this a bunch of times on your podcast, we're so lucky to get to watch this guy here in Edmonton. So uh let's not take it for granted. Let's enjoy it. And, uh yeah, I mean, what else can you say about the Oilers,
1: Captain?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. Leon Draisaitl is as well. We are spoiled. And now, you know, you just hope that they can build around these two and keep it coming. Uh One guy who will join the Oilers on the ice on Sunday, Ryan McLeod, who's, you know, had some good success with the Bakersfield Condors this season. Do you think he gets into the lineup and can contribute immediately, Hernan?
2: Oh, I'm always a little uh, shy, I guess, to to put too much pressure on these guys. I mean, we're talking about a kid here that's going to play in his first NHL game uh, whenever he makes his debut. Uh, so, I mean, if, if he goes the first two games, but he's, he's doing good things, but he's not producing, I'm not going to be too harsh on him. I mean, he's only 21 years old. Uh, he's having a hell of a year in the AHL, 28 points in 28 games. So. I guess it all depends on, on, on where he's playing and all that as well. Like, I, I don't think you call up a kid like this to play him on your fourth line. I think he's going to start in your top nine, and I think he will start at left wing. I don't think they'll play him at center because it's just um, too much responsibility right off the hop. But honestly, Connor, like, uh, with with players like this, my expectations are always low when they get their first call-off and of their first taste of the NHL because um, I'd rather be surprised <laughs> than be let down. And, and like I said, uh, Connor, we've been in this. We've been following this Oilers team for many, many years, and we saw many young guys get put into the lineup and struggle. and And, and, and the fans and the media sometimes are too harsh on them. I think with Ryan McCloud, we gotta enjoy it, see what he can bring, and uh, if it doesn't work out this year, there's still a player there that can, who's probably gonna be on the team next year or the year after and be a, a main guy. But again, uh, I'm excited to see him play. I hope he can stay. I hope he can be successful. But if it doesn't work out, if he goes back to Bakersfield on a very good team, on a very good line, and see what kind of run they can go on there. It's not the end of the world if if, if it doesn't work out this time around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to have Ryan Holt on the podcast coming up following you, Hernan. So we'll get the full breakdown on McLeod and and what he can do, and a full rundown on the Condors, I guess, to be totally honest with you.
2: Uh, Connor, Reinhold and Craig Button.
0: And Anne, Hernan Salas. We, uh, <laughs> we loaded up this podcast. Uh, since there's no hockey for a few days, you know, we had time yeah. to, to throw it all together. Uh, so, Hernan, how about Dmitry Kulikov, a guy we've seen in the NHL, uh, been with Winnipeg and Florida, yeah. latest the New Jersey Devils. The Oilers bring him in for a conditional fourth-rounder. Could be a third rounder if the Oilers win a playoff series, which I think would be worth it. Where do you think Kulikov slots into the lineup? Yeah,
2: I. I first of all, I like the deal. I, I. I don't think you can have. I think it's important to have veteran defense on your team when you're going into the playoffs. And it's funny because yesterday the two guys Dusty asked was Chris Russell or Caleb Jones in the lineup with Kulikov and. I think a month ago I would have said, uh, Russell, no question about it. But now I know Caleb Jones has really improved his game. He got the bump into the second pair on Monday's game, and he played there yesterday, and he didn't look out of place. Different player than Russell. Uh, so we'll wait and see on that. But Kulikov right now, if Bear stays with Nurse, he's probably, you're looking at him playing with, um, what's his name there? He's probably going to play with Tyson Berry, and I don't mind that. You, know, you have an offensive guy with a more stay-at-home guy. If you go Jones, Larson, it's the same. And then Bear Nurse, well, Nurse is kind of like all around. So I, I, I Kulukov is going to draw in. He is going to play. He is going to be a regular. That's that's my opinion. Um, but it just comes down to, is it going to be uh, Russell or Caleb Jones? And, and keep in mind, you also have Legacy and Kuku kind of in that in – that, um, in the final two spots as well so I think Kulukov will play and uh, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm again I'm excited to see him play and, and see what he can bring to this team what kind of physical presence he is and how he moves the puck and all that so uh, looking forward to him getting into the lineup hopefully it's Monday and uh, yeah like I said um, I, 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 I either see him with Larson I'd, I'd prefer that look but it the way the if it has the decor right now it looks like he might start with Barry
0: now, what have you made of Yessi Pugliarvi playing with Connor McDavid? And two-part question, what would you think of a Dylan Holloway, Connor McDavid, Yessi Pugliarvi line?
2: <laughs> Man, you're getting me excited right now. <laughs> like, holy smokes. Um, yeah, I mean, Dylan Holloway, another one of those guys that we got to see him at the pro level. But I, I've heard Button on our station a bunch of times, and, and he says he's ready. and and all that. So we'll wait and see, but yeah, that I mean, if you can tell, like, he's a guy that can score, he can hit, he can get physical, he can be kind of that annoying player to play a game. So I, I I like everything I've seen from Holloway, Connor, and uh, Jesse, I loved it. Uh, You know, he started on the third line. um, Cassian kind of lost that spot. He wasn't very good. They put Jesse up there, and he's been great. And I know up until Monday, he wasn't really producing a lot. He hadn't scored a lot, but uh, he's got in what, now back-to-back games. And what I like about him, he's really good defensively, so he kind of compliments McDavid and whoever the other forward is. And uh, his forecheck is relentless. And, uh, yeah, I I really like the fit there. And He's only going to get better. And 12 goals, Connor, I mean, I don't know if many Oiler fans had high expectations with him coming back. I think we're all kind of like in that 8-12 to goal range. Would have been a good season. And right now he's surpassing that. Uh, I I think with everything, the way he's hitting, the way he's forechecking, the way he's defending – I love his enthusiasm when they, when his teammates score, when he scores, and uh, I, I think it's a great fit for Connor McDavid there, and, and it, it's been, he's been there since he took over for Kassian, we've seen Nuge on the other side, or drive also and you've heard his head coach talk glowing in about him, so I know sometimes he goes games without producing, but it, he, sometimes you can't just look at production, you got to look at the overall game, and Jesse bully has been excellent this year. And. Uh, what a what a good get for Dave Tippett and Kenny Holland to to get him back here and uh, kind of get his career going once again because it's such an important piece for the Edmonton Oilers.
0: Yeah, and I mean you you bring his excitement into the conversation and I I totally agree. Like I I think at times you know especially in an 82 game season there might be some nights where you maybe you don't have it, but then you see a guy like that and I don't see that excitement going away. I mean I think that's just how he is. Well, he likes to score well, goals.
2: But, Connor, why should it go away? I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love it, man. And it's rubbing off on his players. You saw that Monday game, right? Like, you saw the excitement when Bears scored. You saw, like, when McDavid, like, everybody's just so pumped. And that's what you see in the playoffs. And it just makes, even as media or as fans watching that, it even pumps you up, Connor, right?
0: Oh, absolutely! I mean, I, it's just it makes it fun. I mean, they're grown men playing a kid's game. Let's be honest. So, I, I like to see that. That should never go away, and uh, I think that's great. Now, Hernan, you said that mm-hmm. that top line might excite you. Now, your second line all of a sudden could be the dry line.
2: Yeah, Um you know, yesterday they were a little bit quiet, but it, it didn't help that and got hurt because then you saw, you know, kind of the blender come out for a bit. Um, in the third period, basically it went through that, to only three lines, so you saw him a lot more. So, listen, Connor, outside of what, of uh, uh, one game and then a few shifts in another game, this line had been really played together. It's not going to be automatic, so uh, for me, gave him another game because I, I do like Archibald in a short stint up there with McDavid and just whoever. I don't mind that line, so i say give it another look. Why not? I mean, this line was so dynamic last season, Connor. So, I mean, if, if you're going to pass up on it after one game, I, I think it's it's a bad call by Dave Tippett. So, I kind of like it. And that way you have another solid line with, with J.P. and Connor and you can slide anyone uh, anyone you want there on the left. So, I'd give it another look and, and because if they get hot, Connor going into the playoffs, look out. So, yeah, I'd definitely keep that dry line together at least for a few more games.
0: Oh, uh, the future could be fun if it all pans out for this team. Looks like it's all coming together down the road. And Ken Holland doing a great job being patient and, uh, just hopefully he can, uh, do well in the next couple free agency classes, trade deadlines, drafts, all that sort of stuff. Hernan, the Oilers now off until Monday when they take on the Winnipeg Jets. What are you going to do with a, a weekend off?
2: Well, we're kind of used to this, man. <laughs> Uh, We've had a whole week off here lately because of COVID with Montreal and then with the Vancouver Canucks, the game's being postponed. So, you know what, I'm taking it in stride. I'm going to relax because uh, after this weekend, Connor, the schedule gets really busy for the Edmonton Oilers and then we'll be heading into the playoffs where it's going to be just go, go, go. So just relax, enjoy the time off. And, um, because like I said, next week we got (laughs) a ton of games, uh, to go. We got four games, uh, next week, four games the following week, followed by three, and then we get into the playoffs. So it's going to get super busy, Connor. So I'm not going to take this time for granted. That's
0: for sure. Oh, the fans love it. We love it. The players, I assume, (laughs) love it. It's going to be awesome. Hernan, thanks a lot for doing this today. Appreciate it. We'll get you back on again closer to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, man. Anytime, but my friend.
0: Now that is Hernan Salas of TSN1260 two guys in a goalie and the locked on Oilers podcast make sure you give him a follow on twitter at Demand. and of course after every Oilers game tune into TSN1260 he alongside Tom Gazola and Matt Cassie, and have you covered with your post game coverage and you love the passion from Hernan Salas he and I i mean on his podcast like i said we were just uh, venting for about 20 minutes yesterday on his show so uh give him a follow on twitter like i said at hernanda man he'll have all the links for you you can get all his content and we're going to wrap up the show now with ryan holt he is the voice of the bakersfield condors You can give him a follow on twitter at condors Holty. we're going to talk all things oilers ahl affiliate he's down in vegas right now ryan thanks a lot for doing this today how are you doing
3: i'm great it's sunny in las vegas and uh Condors going for another win tonight, so uh, everything's great. How's everything up there?
0: Uh, you know what, uh, as we tape this on Thursday afternoon, there's a light snowfall right now, so uh, we're kind of on the opposite <laughs> ends here. How is hockey in Vegas? What's the what's the whole vibe like there?
3: It's cool. It's actually, this is the first time I've been to Vegas since the Golden Knights arrived. Uh, we, we used to come off in, uh, with the Las Vegas Wranglers of the ECHL, the, the AA League that the, the Condors were in. Uh, up until twenty fifteen. Um and it's definitely changed, certainly. The, you see Golden Knight stuff literally everywhere, up and down uh, the strip, uh even off the strip, the various, you know, hotels, the casinos, you see license plates and uh, car dealerships, and it seems like every commercial is Vegas, Golden Knights branded, so um, really cool, uh, you know, it's a cool city to begin with, and, um, you know, they were there first before the Raiders, and, um, you know, it's cool. It's a cool sports town in general, and, and now it's uh, really taken off here with uh, with the Golden Knights.
0: And uh, just out of curiosity, how is it on the Strip right now? I'm a, I'm a big fan of Vegas, I definitely have the itch to get back there as soon as we can, but uh, what's the vibe like down there?
3: It's not, uh, Vegas of, you know, maybe the last time I was here in terms of, you know, crowds and things like that. Uh, it's definitely a little more low key. There's still, um, you know, a lot of people. So, um, it's definitely different. Um, I think some of the mask mandates and the plexiglass, I guess, mandates are, are coming to an end here soon in Vegas, um, you know, with, with the vaccines rolling out. So, uh, anytime we get back to normal, I'm all for it. So, uh, it's a little different, not, uh, not, uh, extremely different, but certainly different.
0: Oh, well, that's good to hear. Some progress, at least. And, uh, Ryan, I wanted to get you on. Of course, we like to check in on the, the affiliate of the Oilers and see how things are going down there. And of course, on the ice, it's looking really good. But I want to first ask you just about a couple of players and, uh, one that was recently called up by the big club and could get into action sooner rather than later. Ryan McLeod. He played in 28 games for the Condors, 14 goals, 14 assists. I guess uh, Cliff's notes on Ryan McLeod. What can Oilers fans expect from him?
3: Yeah, he's you know in his second season, and he was the engine of of maybe the top line of the American Hockey League, and for sure it was the top line of the American Hockey League this year um, with him, Tyler Benson on his left side, and then Coop Marody on his right side, and um, they all kind of brought different elements to that line. And, and Ryan's big element to his you know to to that line was obviously his speed first and foremost. But it was his ability to create offense, I think, this year that uh, he kind of took a a huge step forward from uh, a season ago. Uh, His ability to make plays in the offensive zone, it was kind of like speed last year and and maybe not the finish uh, type of quality when you got into the attacking zone, but now it's speed it's forcing the d to back up it's creating a, a plenty of space for guys like marody and benson as well and if you give those guys any sort of space they're, they're going to find the back of the net so uh a huge step forward for him in year two it was a, a year that you know i think management and the coaching staff and, and everyone kind of expected big things from him and he certainly delivered and, and kind of forced the hands here i think down the stretch for for a recall so uh, great for him it's a great story it's great for the organization um, and no doubt that uh, you know he'll have an opportunity and when he does uh, you know he'll, he'll he'll definitely make the most of it because uh, he's uh, he's that talented.
0: So going back to last year in 56 games he had five goals 18 assists this year uh, you know almost tripling that in only 28 games especially when it comes to the goals there so was it just more opportunity or did he take some steps forward in his ability to put the puck in the net?
3: Well, and he was also playing center, too, You know, for for this season, too. Last year, he played a little bit on the wing, and I think his growth in the face-off circle, he's always been a good defensive player. He's always had kind of that awareness uh, in his own end, and he's had a a knack for killing penalties as well. We're one of the top PK teams in the league, and and he's a big part of that, Um, so that has always kind of been tools that he's had, but uh, I think this year, one, it's a finish. It's a confidence um, and kind of a, a way he's carried himself this year. Um, he's playing with two really good linemen, Benson and Marodi, especially for this level. So, so that obviously helps. But he's getting it done five on five. He doesn't need power play time, which I think, you know, kind of skews some numbers sometimes when you go from the AHL to the NHL and. You know, you're not able to get top six minutes, or you're not able to get on the power play, and all of a sudden people are looking at you like, "Well, what's this guy doing in the AHL? He's scoring all sorts of points." Ryan hasn't needed that. He scored two short-handed goals this year. He doesn't have a power play point, so uh, it's all been done five on five. It's all been done on the PK. Um, And like I said, I think it's a confidence thing. And and, you know, he's 21 years old. Uh, You know, probably not to read too much into your 20 year old year, but uh, you know, he's a 21 year old and. He's developing nicely, and, and this is a big, big opportunity for him.
0: Yeah, and uh, went across, played in in Swiss League as well, so you know a little bit of experience there. Now listed at yeah. 6'2", 207, does he play that way?
3: Yeah, so that's the the difference, I think, and, and you just kind of touched on it from, from last year. Uh, a little more perimeter last year than maybe this year. This year he definitely went to... Um, the hard areas of the ice and that's something that the coaching staff kind of preached to him throughout the year was to use his size to use his frame he has the speed but also you know hey if you want to score goals especially at the AHL level but uh, certainly at the NHL level you know you're going to have to go to the hard areas Uh, you can't be a perimeter player you can't be um, speed without purpose I guess would be the uh, kind of line I guess with with Ryan maybe Uh, if you go back to last year he was you know, all over the ice, all over the park, but, you know, let's have a purpose, let's go direct lines, and um, certainly did so this year, and, and he turned into an excellent playmaker.
0: Now, you talked about Cooper Maroney and Tyler Benson, who are both obviously thriving down there with the Condors. Were you surprised at all that they didn't get the call up uh, before Ryan McLeod?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, one, it's about my pay grade, but two, um, I think for Ryan, I think he brings an element this year, um in terms of a fit maybe that Edmonton could maybe want to look at down the stretch, Um, you know, whether it's a PK, face-off, kind of a, you know, he could play on the wing as well too. He can kind of move up and down the lineup depending on where you want to play him or who you want to play him with. Um, So I think he has, you know, a couple different elements to his game. Um, Not to say that that Cooper and, and Tyler certainly aren't deserving because, you know, they're knocking on the door, but I think if you told me before the year, you know, would any condor get called up, I, I would have said, you know, I, I mean, we're in Vegas, so I probably would have bet on no. Um and, and then here we are and I think the play of some of these players has really forced the hand to say, you know what, we'll we'll eat the seven day quarantine, uh, if it takes you to that time to get up here because uh, you know, we want you up here. So um Tyler's right on the doorstep, Cooper's right on the doorstep, you know, two tremendous pros and you know, they're the reason why they're one of the main reasons why we are where we are. And, um, you know, we'll see how they perform down the stretch. And, you know, who knows? Maybe there's, uh, something at the end of the tunnel for them this year, whether it's, you know, going up, uh, you know, in the postseason for Edmonton and stuff like that, too. So we'll see what happens here down the stretch. But, uh, you know, they're all deserving. They've been, uh, they've been easily the best line in the American Hockey League.
0: Now, last Saturday, another young Oilers, uh, prospect, a second round pick back in 2019, Raphael Lavoie had a goal and an assist. Uh, what has he brought with, uh, to the Condors since joining them?
3: Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's a he's a funny young man, uh, and you know I say man, he's he's a he's a big body, uh, and he's playing on a line with Adam Cracknell and Seth Griffith. Uh, he has a tremendous shot, first and foremost, and playing with Griffith and Cracknell has kind of um, benefited him from their experience and and what they've you know been through in the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League to kind of groom him in this kind of shortened season here this year and um, you know he's a a very impactful player even when he's not scoring Uh, the offensive chances have been there Uh, he just had a six game point streak snapped on Tuesday but I probably counted two or three, you know, chances that you know he he usually finishes his on. Uh, one was blocked by the defenseman. He whiffed on a one timer at the top of the crease that you know he usually finishes. So the chances have been there. Um, I, I think playing with Cracknell and Griffith is going to be huge for him. Uh, Cracknell and and I've said this a couple of times, but, but Cracknell's kind of the the same type of player, I guess, if you will, uh, just, uh, you know, 15 years older or 16 years older. Uh, you know, he's a player who, you know, has a, a large frame, knows how to use his size, knows how to play at both ends, and has a great shot. So, um, I think Raph can kind of look at him, and Raph probably has even more speed than Adam did at this point of his career, so you know, he can certainly kind of lean on him for, for some advice here, but uh, definitely a, another a uh, wave of development uh, that's coming through the Oilers system, and, and certainly uh, I think a lot of people should be excited about. So,
0: uh, we, I mean, we're we're kind of getting used to these guys coming up from the Bakersfield Condors and almost just hitting the ice skating, I guess, hitting the ground running. Um, ready to go. Is it anything that you've noticed in the last few years with head coach Jay Woodcroft that he's kind of changed with this Bakersfield organization, especially when it comes to development?
3: Well, I just think, one, you know, JJF and, and Dave Manson and Sliver Rodriguez uh, on the goaltending side, they do a great job of treating um, this organization and, and this uh, atmosphere here in Bakersfield as if it's the NHL. Um, you know, not wearing Oilers logos on the front of your sweater, but you're certainly representing the entire organization. And I think the, the biggest part has been, you know, I think that's been their biggest message is, you know, when guys get called up, they're ready and they're ready to jump in, you know, at that moment. It's not a, you know, hey, go up and just hope. Um, you know, they, they certainly spend every day grooming them to, you know, realize their dreams and, real you know, realize their opportunity and, and know that, you know, there's a pathway to, you know, the NHL and to a career, you know, if you put your work in here in Bakersfield. And I think Jay's experience and, and Dave's experience in the NHL and JF's experience around you know, NHL, AHL dressing rooms has certainly helped that, um, you know, from from knowing what it's going to be expected of you when you get to the NHL. So um, they're able to kind of instill that upon, you know, the players and lean on the leadership group with Malone and um, Cracknell and Griffith, guys who have played hundreds of games in the the NHL. So, um, you know, there's a there's a leadership group here in Bakersfield. The coaching staff does a great job, and you know, let's face it, when when the guys' names get called, you know they're ready to roll and and, and want to make an impact.
0: You mentioned not having the Oilers logo on the sweater, but if I may say, the Condors navy blue jersey is probably my favorite jersey in hockey right now. I'll
3: tell you the funny story with with the navies. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain. I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to share, but I'll pull back the curtain a little bit for you. Um, So when we made the move to the American Hockey League in 2015, obviously at that time it was the the Royal Navy, uh, the Royal Blue and and Orange kind of condors and Oilers jerseys, and and we kind of thought uh, that, hey, we're in the American Hockey League, we'll never change colors, you know, it'll never happen. I mean, the Oilers hardly ever change colors, we'll never change colors. Well, within that first half a year, uh, the Oilers announced that they were going to go back to, uh, you know, a a Navy, a darker Navy with the... the kind of fluorescent orange and we had to make the jersey change and from what we were told or kind of through the grapevine oh yeah the oilers are going to have a navy jersey with orange and you know we ran it up the food chain and yep navy jersey with orange okay great we came out with just a you know updated color look with the navies and then the oilers came out with the all navy uh, kind of uh, you know jersey from from head to toes. so the jerseys look a little different we, we i don't know if it was miscommunication on somebody's part but uh i love the navy jerseys uh I, I think they're they're awesome and uh you know happy that we made the move to them but uh yeah kind of uh you know just by happenstance that we we ended up picking those jerseys basically just updated the, the royal jerseys to the updated colors oh
0: they're so good and every time like on twitter i'll I'll tweet about it and i I feel like i do it maybe once or twice a year and it's usually my most popular tweets because everyone agrees like it's just such a good look and the the photoshops will come in of Connor mcdavid wearing the exact same jersey just swapped in with the oilers logo like everyone (laughs) loves it
3: because we we play henderson and and they have the similar you know jerseys to vegas and (laughs) um they're the numbers on them and, and i've always said this you know, to anybody who listens, the only reason players have numbers on their jerseys is to identify them. Well, the Vegas jerseys are they have silver, but they're white numbers with a, a heathery gold outline. You can't read names, numbers, anything on the back of their jerseys. So I'm I'm usually just, just making things up as I go along here on the broadcast, but I do that anyways. But, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, definitely enjoy the, the Navy jerseys.
0: <laughs> I uh, brought the jerseys up here, and I can see what you're saying. Uh, I got a chance to sit alongside the broadcast for Oil Kings games with uh, Corey Graham for a long time. And whenever a team came in to, to Rexall back in the day with a, a jersey where you couldn't quite distinguish the numbers it was always a little bit more of a frustrating broadcast but uh, i'm sure we could get into <laughs> a, say, and <laughs> it out of the
3: zone. Okay. <laughs>
0: exactly exactly uh ryan I, I just one more question for you i have to ask uh, just our annual conversation here i think it's like once a month you've been on the podcast and i really do appreciate it but how is Stuart skinner looking how's the development going
3: yeah he's uh he, he you know i'll tell you this much he faced he, I'll say adversity, but, you know, maybe the first clunker of a of a start and, and the team laid an egg last week in Colorado, lost 6-2. Uh, since that time, you know, Stu's allowed two goals in three games. So I think that shows you kind of the, the bounce-back mentality from him. Leads the league and wins. He and Ollie Rodriguez have actually done a, a very nice job as a tandem. Ollie's won his last three starts at in kind of um, – you know, pick and pick and choose your spots uh, with Ollie here. The last couple of weeks, just based off some some games. But uh, Stu's led the league in minutes. He's led the league in wins. Um, calm, cool, and collected. And uh, the team's only allowed 11 goals over the last six games, and that's with giving up six in one game. So, um, some of the best defensive hockey I've seen in front of him. Certainly, uh, we we don't give up a ton of chances. But in the same token, you got to make the saves when. You know, your name is called, and, and Stu's done that, um, you know, all season long. Just for an example, Tuesday night, uh, Henderson outshot the Condors. I think it was 12 1 in the opening eight minutes, and then we only allowed eight shots the rest of the way. But Stu was there for the first, you know, 12 minutes of the hockey game and, and held on and kept it a scoreless game, allowed the team to kind of get their feet under them, ended up scoring a goal late in the first, scored one late in the second, and all of a sudden you look up and it's a pretty comfortable Um, 4-1 win uh, on Tuesday against uh, the top team in the league so uh, nothing flashy about him he makes the save when he's called upon and um, he's had a very very good season it's been good to see because it was a big year for him coming off you know 41 appearances last year and kind of uncertainty as to which you know direction he was going to go in and uh, certainly has you know gone upwards in his uh, trajectory which has been great to see
0: Excellent stuff, and I'm sure a lot of Oilers fans will be happy to hear that. Ryan, thanks so much for doing this once again. Really appreciate it, and we'll have to get you on once again down the road.
3: Absolutely, Connor. Appreciate it. Take
0: care. Ryan Holt, he is the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Oilers AHL affiliate. Always has some great insight, and uh, good to hear about Stuart Skinner. Good to hear about Benson. Good to hear about Marodi and the team as a whole having a lot of success and I kind of joked with him before we got on air if you are gambling and looking to throw some money down, the Condors have been a pretty good bet as of late. They're playing some very good hockey and that's a good sign for the Edmonton Oilers Jay Woodcroft and his coaching staff doing a fantastic job. And with that being said, we are done here on another edition of the Other Connor Podcast. Of course, big thank you to our sponsors, the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you sign up today and use the promo code THPN. Big thanks to our guests as Well, Ryan Holt who we just had on, the voice of the Condors, Hernan Salas of TSN 1260, and former NHL general manager, analyst on TSN, Craig Button. We appreciate them all spending some time with me here on the podcast. And most of all, to everyone who tunes in, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Like I said, the Oilers off until Monday when they take on the Winnipeg Jets on the next edition of the Other Connor Podcast. We'll break that game down and we'll look ahead to Wednesday and Thursday's matchups with the Jets and the Calgary Flames. Thank you guys so much for tuning in tuning in today we'll talk to you next time thanks for tuning in to the other connor podcast new shows drop every tuesday and friday wherever you get your podcasts from